What's up, guys? Super excited to let you know that we're now releasing transcripts of the podcast. It's linked in the podcast description. You can also find it on LinkedIn at Danny Langloss in our documents section. If you're not following us on LinkedIn, please do. We're releasing leadership content daily, really driving a ton of engagement. It's our main platform. If you haven't already for the podcast, please hit that subscribe button so you never miss another episode. Please give us a rating or a review. That really helps us reach more people organically. Thank you very much. Let's get after it. There are so many things that impact our ability to achieve success, but none are more important than leadership. Individuals and organizations rise and fall with leadership. We are here to help you rise. Thank you for joining us. This is the Leadership Excellence Podcast. Hello, leaders, and welcome to Leadership Excellence. My name is Danny Langloss, and today I'm joined by my great friend, world-renowned trust expert, David Horsager. David joined us in season one, episode 15. We talked about the trust edge. Today, we're going to take the next step. We're going to talk about the trusted leader. This is the name of his new book that's going to be released on March 30th. You're not going to want to miss that. If you follow David, you know he believes a lack of trust is our greatest expense. Couldn't agree more. Trust is the foundation of relationships. It's the foundation of leadership. A little bit about David. He's the CEO of the Trust Edge Leadership Institute, national best-selling author of the Trust Edge, inventor of the Enterprise Trust Index, and director of one of the nation's uh, foremost studies on trust, the Trust Outlook. His work has been featured in prominent publications. He's presented on six continents uh, from audiences ranges from anywhere from FedEx, Toyota, Global Governments, the New York Yankees, Department of Homeland Security. This guy is the real deal. If you remember back and listen to the first podcast, I first met David in 2013. I went to his Trust Edge facilitator certification, went there following the discovery of the embezzlement by the city of Dixon's comptroller, Rita Crunwell, of $54 million. I was asked to serve on a leadership team to help rebuild the trust of our community rebuild the trust of our team, rebuild the trust of the region. So much of what I learned from David was instrumental to take us to where we are today. And, and that is an incredible community doing great, great things. Uh, so today we're gonna learn about the trusted leader and what it takes to become a trusted leader. David, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. It is my pleasure. It is great to be back. It's been fun to hear everything that's happened in your world. And city and area and uh, just even in your leadership, just been fun to see all the great things happening. It's been a great evolution. There hasn't been a, a shortness of exciting things. Um, but one of the things we talk about is you can't have the experience, so you have the experience and the, the development that I received and learned from not only the training, but your continued mentorship, continuing to follow you has just been incredible. For, for me, when I think about leadership, Leadership's influence. We can dive deeper to that, but leadership is influence. It's founded in relationships and relationships are found in trust. If you don't have trust, you don't have relationships. If you don't have relationships, you don't have influence. If you don't have influence, you don't have, you don't have leadership. And, and what we're me, going, yeah, what we're going for is positive influence. As you can imagine, you can influence like Hitler as a leader and you can influence yeah. like a lot of people. And so um, that's why we call it the trust edge. We differentiate just from any kind of trust. Uh, but um I, I know what you're all about and love it. Yeah. When we dive deeper and I present and talk about that influence, it's a positive influence towards a clearly established good outcome, right? Yep. And common, towards a common good. And you're right. We've had those discussions about was Hitler a leader? 
you know, and he was a dictator, right? There's, there's a big difference between, you know, going through influence and empowerment and service versus power and control. Love it, love it. So one of the things, David, and thank you so much for sharing your book with me up front, um, you know, being able to go through and read things, but, but it starts off very early in some acknowledgements you've done. And there's a quote, it says, if you're doing leadership alone, you're doing it wrong. Very, very powerful. You want to talk about that and where that inspiration and those words came from? You know, we've seen this so often and I, I get to sit next to sometimes leaders from countries and leaders from companies. And, and uh, we, I know we have a, a real problem if we have leaders doing it alone. And people say it's lonely at the top. It's lonely at the top. But it, I, my view is if you're doing leadership alone or it's lonely at the top, you are doing it wrong. You need a team. You need accountability. You need, you need to um, uh, great leaders uh, request. They seek healthy accountability. They seek feedback. They seek um, help. They seek community. And and uh, so I, I remember sitting next to this, you know, one, he's president of a pro sports team in our uh, great country. And I, I was just thinking, man, he is, you know, he's in this amazing, you know, booth watching his team at one of the most beautiful stadiums, not the one, and by the way, the team you named in the intro, so I can clear that up right away. But, um, you know, there's 30 leather seats and there's a buffet for 30 people and he's there and I'm there with him and not another soul. And I said, this is like, it, 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 kind of like it is every night. He's alone. And when he's not, you know, the GM or, or president uh, of that team and that's kind of the height of his profession, I don't think he's going to have anybody, um, you know, coming by even for free tickets then because he's just doing it alone and he could see the wear on him. And so um, that's why this book, you know, it's dedicated. I've got two really close important groups that I've had for one of the groups for 28 years of four, you know, accountability guys that have made me better personally and as a leader. And I think, I think if you're doing leadership alone, you are doing it wrong. And uh, even if you're a solopreneur, you need advisors and peers and, and team. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, one of the things that I took from the training um, was that I think you call them mastermind groups. And you right. can call them accountability groups or whatever it was, but went out and got a, a personal board of accountability partners and mentors. And, you know, I've got five or six mentors. You know, one of the things I remember taking from our conversation was don't, don't just get people that are in your profession or in your field, right? Diversify that, get different perspectives, ideas. Don't just have people within your organization expand out there. And that's been game changing the different perspectives when we face different challenges and struggles is, is has been some so let's let's recap just just a touch right from the last episode and just ask what is the trust edge david the trust edge is this advantage advantage gained when others confidently believe in you we we, we think trust is this confident belief and when i confidently believe in you everything changes and that was the first half of the original research you know 20 years ago or whatever it was this this finding that a lack of trust the biggest expense we have this finding that Everything of value is built on trust. Trust is always the leading indicator. Most people are solving the wrong problem or they're not solving the, a, a real or the right problem. So they're solving, they say, oh, it's an engagement issue. It never is. The only way to increase engagement is increase trust. It's a referral issue. Better get our NPS score up. The only way to increase your NPS score, the research shows, or net promoter score or referrals is increased trust. It's a, it's a leadership issue. We, we talk about love leadership, right? Well, it never is a leadership issue, in my opinion. At the core, the only reason I follow a leader or not is trust, unless it's a dictator. Same with sales. The only reason I buy or not is trust, unless it's a commodity. It's, it's the 
only way, you know, the only way to amplify a marketing message is increase trust in the message. The only way to increase a learning environment, unless you're, if you're a listen, listening and you're a teacher, a learning development professional, there's only one way to increase trust. I mean, increase uh, learning. You either have to increase trust in the teacher, professor, facilitator, increase trust in the content, or increase trust, psychological safety, and trust in the environment. Diversity issues of our day, the only way to increase trust, you know, in, deal with diversity is increased trust. Diversity on its own, Harvard, the biggest Harvard study shows pits people against each other. Unless you increase trust, then you get incredible benefit of diversity. So that that trust edge, it's a, just an immense, amazing advantage gained. We've seen it happen in governments. We've seen it happen in companies. We've seen it happen in pro sports teams. So that's the trust edge. It is this advantage you get when you become trusted. And, you know, then there's a big how. How do I build that advantage? And that's that eight-pillar framework. I just, I absolutely love hearing you talk about and describe the trust edge and the way you succinctly do that and bring that to life is, is so powerful. Let me ask you, David, what was your inspiration for writing and, and, and dialing the research into the trusted leader? Two things, two or three things happened. Number one, we found people kept saying, well, trust, isn't that something you either have or you don't? And it's absolutely not true. You can absolutely actively build trust. You can build it as a leader. You can build it into a brand. You can build it in a country. We saw, you know, two countries, a country, a corrupt, basically, country in East Africa, where opposition forces came together over years. It was amazing. Nobody, you know, many didn't believe it could happen. We've seen trust rebuilt, but it has to, you have to have an active approach, whether it's in your city, your police force, your company, or your team. And it can be done. It's amazing what can be done. So that's that's one 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 thought. The other inspiration was, you know, I had a, a leader, my chief operating officer here, just said, you know, that that you know, trust edge became a Wall Street Journal bestseller, um, all that kind of stuff. But a lot of people don't want to read 367 pages based on research. They said, and I don't want to become for, known for a guy that writes the same thing every time. It's just over the last decade. This is still about trust. That's what we think about and talk about. But there were so many things we were learning about how a leader can apply them tomorrow morning. So, so we, so there was two inspirations here. One was, could we create a really fun, engaging parable that would show how trust matters more than anything else? How it really, it, 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 a lack of it really is your biggest expense, and a, a few fresh insights and about how you can do something about it. So this, this story is engaging, fun, um, you know, takes the story of this, this entrepreneur or this leader, Ethan, who, who has a skiing accident in the mountain and really ends up laid up out there and, and, and sees a different way of leading and saves his company as a result. So it's a fun, real engaging story that has nuggets right throughout it, but it's easy to get the overall concept and basically shift thinking about everything you thought you knew about trust. Is it transparency? Turns out it's also confidentiality. Is it this? Is it, you know, thinking differently about trust. And then the second half of the book are takeaways you can use tomorrow morning on how you can be a more trusted leader against that same research, the eight pillar framework, but fresh ideas that how, how, how idea I shared with you or the spa method or some of these ways of building those pillars as a leader tomorrow morning that weren't in that original work and some of the freshest, I mean, I, I share the idea of, you know, how I lost 50 pounds in five months and how people tripled sales and, you know, some really tactical approaches of how I can be a trusted leader, you know, building this, this framework actively tomorrow morning. 
That is awesome. That is awesome. Before we step into that framework and some of the things that differentiate it and what you found and things people can start doing when they stop listening to the podcast, do you want to walk us quick through the eight pillars of trust? Sure. Because that is a foundational piece of, of this book, right? Yep, absolutely. Before I get to it, by the way, I will say another another idea. You know, we put out one of the biggest pieces of research on trust and leadership every year. We The white paper, the trust outlook is based on our proprietary research that we do a global study often plus or minus only 1.8% margin of error. So a significant study. One of the findings that kept coming up was the number one reason people want to work for an organization ahead of being paid more, ahead of uh, more autonomy, ahead of a more fun work environment with a ping pong table, right? The number one reason kept coming out, they want to trust their leadership. And so that research kept coming back to me that, oh my goodness, people more than anything else either want to work for leaders they trust or be trustworthy leaders. And so, you know, that was another amplification or motivation to write this specific book. So kind of three, three things came together to why this book and the publisher was very excited about it too and thought it was like, this is right for right now. We need it. So, um, you know, a few things came together there. So the, the framework, the framework for how, you know, if you take this first to have the research that show the case for trust and why a lack of trust, is the biggest expense organizations and individuals have, then it begs the question, how do you actually build it? So I will give a glimpse of the framework and then we can go deeper as we talk about questions, Danny. Awesome. Um, but the framework is this, eight pillars. They're C words that signify, each of them signify a research funnel that we found in that original work and continue. It was just revalidated this framework by an outside university just this last year um, as the way trust is built globally and uh, it can be contextualized globally and whatnot. So here they are. Number one is clarity. We trust the clear and we mistrust or distrust the ambiguous or the overly complex. And many people overcomplexify beyond what is needed. I used to be a professor, you gotta try to sound smart. And anytime you do without being uh, clear, you lose clarity, which loses trust. Uh, number one is clarity. Number two is compassion. We trust those that care beyond themselves. People have a hard time being accountable to someone that doesn't care about them at all. Number three is uh, character. We trust those that do what's right over what's easy. We now, and in the new book I share, the seven-step process for driving character into an organization, how you can. People think, oh, you have all your character at 12 years old or not. No, you can change character. And you can, and, and by the way, you can systemize for character. You think of one of the big banks up here in Minnesota over the last few years that was basically systemized against the character they said they wanted to have by how they incentivized people. And many people are incentivizing against the character where they want to, or think of bribery and, you know, parts of East Africa that I'm working in, they're incentivized against the character they say they want to have. So uh, character. The next pillar is competency. We trust those that stay fresh and relevant and capable. So you have to stay, if you're still leading the way you were 30 years ago, I don't trust you. People on this podcast, of course, are not that kind of person. They're staying fresh and relevant. They're learning about leadership. They're learning from you. They're, they're readers. They're, but those that are selling the way they were 20 years ago, I don't trust. They're teaching the way they were 10 years ago. I don't trust them. You've got to stay fresh and relevant and capable. This is why I joke sometimes that I would take let Danny take my kids to the ball game because of his character, but not let him give me a root canal because of his competency, right? So you've right. got, got to be counted. Uh, next pillar, 
is commitment. We trust those that stay committed in the face of adversity. You, you know, this is, it's just plain true. If you think of anybody that's left a legacy in your life or history, your mom or dad or Mandela or Martin Luther King or Gandhi or Jesus or Joan of Arc, you'll find someone that's trusted in many cases because they stayed committed to something. And people can tell if you're committed to them. Next pillar is connection. And that's the ability to connect and collaborate with others. So each of these pillars has counterforces. So we go inside of a company or leadership team. We look at what are their counterforces. Trust. If I see siloing, if I see um, just, just independence, not interdependence, uh, then I know we've got a counterforce. If I see that they can't share a budget on something or they can't, they have five printers because they can't share one, we know we've got a challenge with that connection pillar. Seventh pillar is contribution. The number one word that came out of that research funnel was results. We trust those that contribute results. You've got to get results. You can't just have fun little compassion all the time and great character. You've got to contribute results, uh, outcomes, performance. So that's the work of work. And the work of this is you got to have all eight. Final pillar is consistency. You gotta have same. The only way to build a reputation as a leader is sameness. The only way to consistency. The only way to build a brand as an organization is consistency. Consistent interaction. When I work with your city, the city of Dixon. When I work with that, you know that whatever it is, that company, that bank. If I have different interactions and and I get a really nice brochure, but the website's terrible, that inconsistency they just lost in their brand. This is why. I, I say, you know, we might not like McDonald's, but we trust them because I've had the same burger on six continents. So sameness is trusted. So this eight pillar framework, I believe without, I hope any ego, but a whole lot of research and now, you know, work on six continents, you can solve every organizational leadership issue against these eight. Doesn't mean it's easy. It's just that when they define it against these eight, they can actually solve it. So many people don't. They say, I've got a communication issue. No, you never do. Clear communication is trusted. Clarity. Unclear communication isn't. Consistent isn't because it's then character, high character communication, low character isn't. Compassionate communication is trust. Hateful communication is not trusted. So if they can define against these, they can actually solve the real issue. And frankly, that that actually is another big reason for writing the book. Most leaders were not solving the root issue. And this gives them a language and framework and tools an inspiration to solve the real issue and quit saying it's just engagement or communication or some big word and actually solve the real issue that leads to the results they want. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. And, and the depth, you know, the solving the root issue all the time. So Gordon Graham is, uh, one of the most renowned risk management experts, especially as it ties to public safety. And he talks about, how when there's a problem, we always look at what happened right before the problem instead of looking at those problems lying in wait. And when we look at that long road of problems lying in wait that led to the problem, you're so right. Trust is at the root and the foundation of those things. It all works backwards. And that's why your framework and you talk about how, 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 right? You're continuing to ask, continue to ask, and continue to ask to get back to what the root issues are or the, the root solutions are. Uh, and depending. The, it, this is where those, yeah, just a, a glimpse of the of how it can be used. So, I mean, we, you know, as you know, I speak about each of these pillars for a day. I mean, we got an encyclopedia of work here. So we can, we, you know, there's, there's so much to think about, but it all comes under this. And when they can actually have a common language and frame it right, they have a chance. I was reading a book. I wish I could give credit to the right person here because it's not me. Uh, but just this week where it said, 
a, a problem well-defined is half solved. And this is, this is the problem. Many people are not dealing with the root problem. They haven't saw, defined the right issue. So let's take the clarity pillar just as a simple example here. So what's the problem for that leader? Let's just say one of them is they're not clear about the vision. So people aren't aimed the same way. Well, is that the same problem for the salesperson? No, that salesperson, the problem is they're really clear on how cool they are and how long they've been in business, but they're not clear about the benefits of that product to me, the potential buyer. And because they're not clear about the benefits, I don't buy. That's a clarity issue still. Of course, they could have any pillar issue, but let's just say clarity. Now let's go to the classroom. Why does everybody hate that teacher? I think I think he's a nice guy. I think he's you know good guy. Seems like good character and everything. Oh, you go a little deeper and you find out the problem is a clarity problem. The teacher is so unclear about the assignments, the kids go home frustrated. And so they actually hate the teacher because of a clarity issue, not a character issue, because they never know what to do. So when they, at least you see how once they could define it and find what the issue was, they could actually start to try to solve it. Okay, clear vision. Okay, let's get clear about the benefits. Okay, let's get clear about the assignments. And of course, it could be any of the pillars. It could be compassion, commitment. They all interrelate. And in fact, as another example, you can say, well, we're clear about the mission. We, we, we got that clarity pillar, but since you're not sharing the mission every 21 days consistently, they actually lost clarity because they don't have consistency as a pillar. No, 100%. So David, let's, let's change and, and shift into the, the trusted leader, because I mean, these eight pillars are, are the foundational principles for it, right? The, Trust is trust. How we build trust as human beings is how we build it. And I love the fact, by the way, that you have outside universities like verify your research to this. So, so as leaders walk away from this, what are some of those principles that you share? Things that they can begin to do when the podcast ends, those key takeaways from the trusted leader? Sure. Well, there. There, there are several. Um, in fact, one of them, you said it before, how, 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 um, that is not in the trust edge. How, so how, how, how as a strategy is in the trusted leader. So uh, some of them go back a little ways to our training, but they just weren't in that original the book because we just saw leaders, you know. So I'll give some new ones, but I think I will just reiterate since you brought up the how, how, how one. Basically, what we kept finding is people were not, people would say, okay, I wanna change something. Um, I want to change our culture. Okay, how are you going to do that? Oh, we're going to be nice. What do we know about that word? They're not, they don't know what they're going to do, right? Okay, we're going to appreciate people more. Uh, what do you mean? Uh, how, how, how? And we got, we got into a rhythm of building clarity in our cultures by asking how, not abrasively, how are you going to do that? But how are you going to do that? Okay, how are you going to do that? And we ask how, as you know, until they can do something today or tomorrow in meetings with individuals. And once they got to a how they could apply, what do we learn? See, that clarity gave hope. It's amazing. Like, oh, I can do that. And and if you read uh, some of my other work or, or heard any other things I've done, you know, I lost 2011. I lost uh, about 52 pounds in five months. And one of the strategies was that how, how, how. And I think I shared it on the last podcast. So everybody can go back to last uh, that last podcast. You can name it again where I, I think I shared. Just ask how until it's something you will do differently today or tomorrow. I finally got to a final how, which one of them in my case was, I'm not going to drink a calorie. Like I can look at it. Oh, no calorie. I can drink that. So it was one, one idea. But the point of that one, and that one is in this book of 
asking how until you can apply it today or tomorrow. And that little idea has tripled sales for people. It's saved marriages, people have said so. It's one idea. One other, um, I'll jump, might jump around here based on what you asked, but yeah. one, one thought here is um, we found one of the statistics was 92% of uh, people would trust their leaders more if they were more transparent about their mistakes. So that's interesting because we say a lot about transparency. In fact, some people think transparency equals trust and it's not true totally. We do need transparency. It's a big part of the connection pillar. Um, but we do need to understand that some of your kids are so transparent on social media, I don't trust them for a second because confidentiality is also trusted. So it's, it's more complex than you might think at first. However, we kept finding in leaders, if they're more transparent about their mistakes and this Remember, it's not transparent. It's transparent about their mistakes. They all know you're flawed and I'm flawed, but we, we put up a front and we, we, we call it often imposter syndrome. I've sat next to so many leaders they are scared to death. They're going to be found out. I mean, leaders of massive hundreds of billion dollar organizations that are wake up. I had one tell me with a pit in his stomach every day that he was going to be found out for his lack of ability or, or whatever. So, um, I think um, people actually, what happens when you, as a leader, are willing to share your mistakes, people actually tend to come around you. So think about this with you, Danny. If I just said, oh, Danny, you know, I'm a, I, I was all-state football player. I was homecoming king. I was, we didn't connect at all. But if I share with you, you know, I, in uh, 2006, I, I bought a company. I lost everything in two weeks. And I talk, talk about that authentically. I mean, let, I'll drive this home for a second in a real scenario. My um, oldest daughter turned 18 yesterday. But when she was first a teenager, we were on a walk and we often go on walks and she, maybe she was 13 or something. And I said, um, I don't know, she said to me something like, Dad, you wouldn't understand. You're perfect. And that sounds cool to be their hero. And it's okay at three years old. But you know I got a problem if someone's saying that at 13. And my heart sunk. She wouldn't share with me. And I think uh, she had seen, she didn't see things that happened before she's born when I lost everything on that company. You know, um, she didn't see when Lisa and I were living in a musty basement with black mold and no windows, bathroom, or kitchen, shared 86-year-old Clara Millers. She didn't see, or and even nowadays, she just for some reason, I don't know how she didn't see it all, but know everything my wife knows and everybody else knows and wasn't seeing some of the things. Maybe it was, you know, they travel with me and she'd see me get picked up on a sedan, fly off in first class or whatever it was with speaking events and seeing these big things, but didn't see all the things, um, you know, for some reason. Yeah, now she's seen plenty, let me tell you. <laughs> um, and uh, But I did make an intention then with her and I don't know um, I was flying a lot in those days, so maybe just wasn't, a, you know, I, there, there's a lot of different things. But I just, I did make an intention that, you know what, I'm going to, on our walks, weekly walks, at least, um, I'm going to just share a place I've blown it, a place I've made a mistake, a place I'm making a mistake down, a place I did yesterday with my own staff. And just being transparent about my stick, just more intentionally. Um, and it led to a couple things, but it led to more humility, true humility for me. And it changed our relationship forever. And I think that is one idea where, you know what, they, they'll, your team will give you the benefit of the doubt 
as you are transparent about your mistakes. They, if you, if you kind of got this wall up and you're perfect and you're this, it just, everybody knows we're not. And, um, there's been a few other things I've done, but that statistic, that was something I talk about a little bit in the book. And one of the, you've done this practice, but it, but it hasn't been written anywhere else in books that I've done. And that's the trust shield. And so we actually share a little bit about the trust shield idea. And it's a, it's a practice to, to know yourself better. And it's also a practice when you share it with your team and others, we've seen massive transformation. Wow. Yeah. When I hear you talk about that story, it's, it's about being humble. Uh, being able to be vulnerable. And another thing you said, I've talked to people about this and it's like a light bulb moment. People don't connect with you based on all the awards you've won or all the great things that you've happened. They, they, they connect with you um, on what makes us human, our faults, our mistakes, our struggles. Right. And, and, and that's, that's a big thing. That's, that's the one thing we all share as human beings and so this humility and vulnerability, it's just so, so important. And then the, the idea of caring beyond ourselves. And, and you talk about compassion. I think there's four things that, that every person needs. One, they need to feel cared about. They, they need to feel like what they're doing and contributing is important. They, they want to feel like they're making a difference with their life in the world. And they want to feel appreciated for that. Yeah. And so no as we, as, as we think about these things, and so a leader who has humility and his vulnerability, a leader who understands and recognizes, I don't have to have all the answers. That's why I've got this incredible team, uh, a leader who will ask questions and truly listen, right? Because then that says to the person they're talking to, I trust you. I respect you. I believe in you. And for what I've found in, in my life and in my leadership, one of the most powerful trust building strategies is to trust first, is to, to let people know that you believe in them and to let them know that they're valuable. Well, I'll tell you something in these times, and you think about the last year of COVID pandemic and racial uh, injustice challenges and all these things. If we've seen anything, it, you know, we've learned a couple things. Number one, people are craving humanness. They crave, and it wasn't, it's not just because of the pandemic, but it was just amplified as far as what was noticed. They, you know, one thing that happens, a, a lot of trust actually went up for a time in um, senior leaders because all of a sudden, instead of being in a perfect suit and tie in front of each other, they were zooming in from their house and the cat jumped on their keyboard and the four-year-old ran in their undies behind them. And it was imperfect. And all of a sudden, they're like, oh, that's that leader, that CEO is actually just a human like me, not some perfect whatever up in the, you know, the tower. So I think that there's, there's a piece there. Number two, if we've learned something from senior leaders over the last year, that leading with empathy. And I don't mean just leading with empathy, leading the conversation with empathy, showing care first. This doesn't mean you don't have to fire someone. This doesn't mean you don't have to deal with tough issues. This doesn't mean you are going to be liked. If you want to be critiqued for a living, lead something. I mean, you're going to get critiqued. I can tell you, you're going to, you want to get critiqued for life. Do, do three things, right? Number one, write a book. You're going to get critiqued. Number two, give a speech. You're going to get critiqued or podcast. And number three, uh, lead anything. But you got to do what's right anyway. You got to step anyway, up anyway. And so leading right is leading with empathy, actually care for them. 
uh, one of the things we do talk about, and I've covered part of it in the first book, but I give some actionables on this trusted leader book, and that is how do we actually show compassion and care in the workplace? How do we show it? And we talked about in the old book, the laws of compassion. We, we, we feel like these four things in the workplace, listen is the L, A is appreciate, W is wake up and, and be present, and the S is serve selflessly. The research on that A and W are massive, and that is the A, um, appreciate people. You said it before, but it keeps coming back in our study annually, in Gallup studies, study annually. The number one um, reason people leave in our organization is not being noted for notable work or being appreciated for and, and noticed for things they did. Just, just noticing things people do well. I'm not saying give every kid a blue ribbon for doing nothing. I'm saying when people do things well, and we have to build that um, that that pause to write a note and to appreciate. Uh, the other thing we looked at a little more deeply because the research is that W, wake up and be present. How do we show compassion in the workplace? I mean, you want to be different today? Actually, be present. It's it's so, uh, Maya Angelou said, no one remembers what you did. They don't remember what you said. They only remember how you made them feel. And mm -hmm. I can tell all these different times when I felt differently. Um, this, this I, I, Dr. Frances Fry out of Harvard, she's a great TED talk on this topic, but basically some of her findings, I don't get the words exactly right, but she said, you cannot build empathy and trust in the presence of a cell phone. You want to change the conversation right now? Just glance down at your cell phone. Yeah. You just showed, told, told me you don't care. I mean, little things like that, as much as we think we'll evolutionize out of them, we'll always feel that distraction. Even in the midst of now, you know, a couple decades of having mobile devices, if you can really show your present, I, my sister works at a university. I got to be careful what I, what I say out loud here probably, but, but I was shocked when she was telling me about how people do reviews with a laptop open between the leader and the individual being reviewed. You just showed them you don't care especially if you're not looking up or you're, you know, unless, unless you're taking notes on that specific thing. And, and many times that wasn't the case. So um, I, this, this ability to be present, not be distracted it is challenging in this world. It's challenging for me with my kids. It's challenging, you know, but I, I mean, let's get a kid example here. I remember when my kids were young, you know, I, I might say what, Hey, clean your room, do this, whatever, you know, and, and, uh, you know, you got to do this thing and you're kind of supposed to obey. Right. And, and then my, my, my mother-in-law came for the weekend and I, I noticed how compliant they were with her quickly, but I noticed what she did first. She got down on her knees and looked them in the eye and said something kind and then said, okay, we got to clean your room. And that wake up and being present changed everything and it changed me. Yeah. Humanness. When, when, when you talk about humanness, what I think about modern leadership, 21st century leadership, we have to now lead the whole person. This is no longer a situation. People, people do not want to be one person at work and one person away. And when I sure. think about trust and building trust, leaders are so quick to jump in this is the process. This is the goal. This is the change. This is driving this revenue. This is driving that. Just take a step back. Ask how somebody's doing. Catch up with what's going, especially now during COVID. How are things going at home? How's that homeschool thing going? When how how are you doing balancing things with your daycare being closed? You know, what 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 are you doing to, to take care of yourself? 
you know, what are you doing to, to break away from work and break away from taking care of kids and taking care of the household, like being human, leading the whole person and showing that kind of, of care and compassion serves tenfold. One thing we're working with leaders on right now and our proactive communication and remote work schedule, schedule. If you don't schedule it, you don't do it. Schedule 15 minutes to hop on with somebody and don't ask them a thing about the job or the project you got them working on, right? At the end, you can say, do you need help with anything that you're working on? But just connect with them, see how things are going and be willing to share yourself. Like, yeah, I understand that. You know, I've got a son and he's really struggling too. You know, they, they've got this going on. The the, the soccer season that they've been looking forward to got canceled. He's really struggling with this remote learning because he's a kid that needs to be in the classroom. Again, we connect on those struggles and, mm-hmm. and now more than ever, that humanness is, is, is so important. And then I spoke with Ron Carucci. I don't know if you know Ron or not, but, but he's an expert out there doing incredible work. And our conversation was about organizational honesty. And there's four key components that show, you know, that, that create, uh, cultures of of truth, justice, and purpose. Um, and if you do these four things, you're 16 times more likely to have people tell the truth and show up in that way. And if you don't do all of them, you're 16 times more likely to have unethical behavior that's going to land you on the national lose for your news for your greatest nightmare. But one of the things was justice and accountability, and that was honoring people's contributions. If people don't feel like their contribution is being honored and respected causes a major, major problem. And then if they don't feel they're being treated fairly, it destroys trust, but then it creates a mindset that it's okay for them to make up for it and to make it right themselves and for them to get theirs. And that's a really dangerous thing. So as you're talking about humanness, the, the appreciation, you know, obviously the empathy, we've been talking about that, the waking up and being present, all those things are so important. But just wanted to drive home a few of those things they're so important. And what are the other four? What are, what are the other three from Ron? Quick, I mean, it's okay to be redundant. We got we we help people learn that way, right? Yeah, yeah. So the the first one was honesty and integrity. Okay. You say you're this person. You say you value these things. Do you show up with that? The fourth one is that concept and idea is everybody has a they, right? Everybody has a they. And so in organizations, what happens is that sales is is blaming and pushing things to marketing. And, you know, marketing is blaming and pushing things to the the manufacturing or the creation side, right? And so it's that breaking down the they's and realizing that we're all one team. In the city of Dixon, it it was all they's. We were so fractured. We were so siloed. It's one of the inspirations for the big mural behind my desk with the Arch of Dixon, with all the departments underneath it. We're all one team serving Dixon. And then the other one is transparency and decision-making. And so that transparency and decision-making, are we making decisions in the right way for the right reasons? And are we involving and including the great team that we have? Are the processes and how we make those decisions fair and just, and are they being spread out there fair and just? So those are the, the four things. And cumulatively, they create you know, the, the findings and the research that you're either 16 times more likely or 16 times less likely. And each of them alone have, have their own thing. Like if, you're, if you have honesty and integrity, so you walk the talk and live the values, you're three times more likely to have people serve in the, in the foundation of truth, justice and purpose. If you don't, you're three times less likely. So those are the, those are the four big takeaways from his research. 
Interesting. Love it. That aligns well with what we talked about, but I had not heard it specifically. So that's some, it's always yeah. good stuff. I'll, I'll, for the listeners, um, and I, last week I shared, or two weeks ago, for really the past 10 days, I've been sharing a ton on Ron's work, on his new book uh, called To Be Honest, Leading with the Power of Truth, Justice, and Purpose. That book is coming out um, here in a couple months. So the pre-order's on right now, but I'll link that again for people within the podcast notes. We'll definitely be linking the pre-order to David's book, which I couldn't be more excited about. David, as we begin to, to, to shift towards the end of our conversation, what, from, from the trusted leader, what, what are a couple more things that you want to get out that, that leaders can do, you know, starting when they come in tomorrow? Well, you need to understand the question everybody's asking about you when you come in is not, do I like you? There's been a whole lot of talk about, you know, oh, do they like me as a leader? And you know what? I got friends I like a lot. I wouldn't go into business within a million years. The question they're all asking is, can I trust you? And so they want to know they can, they can trust you. So I mean, the quick takeaways in our short time together is understand this framework, these eight pillars. I believe you can solve every leadership organizational, even sales issue against these eight. So understand those. I think, um, you know, we talked about today a couple things, transparency. We talked about um, uh, the how, how, how a little bit. I, one thing I'm just thinking about today because of somebody I was just coaching recently is, um, I, I hope I haven't said this before, but basically how do you rebuild trust? That we, in the, you know, the first book, we have this 10-step process, how you build, rebuild trust for your company, which is true. But whether you're a big company or an individual, it comes down to one thing and it's not the apology. And this is just, I, I, I see people say, oh, I'm sorry. I, I had the CEO from the Netherlands come to America. He's working with this one team. And I said, hey, what's the first thing you notice with those, uh, those in America here? And he said, well, the first thing I noticed is there are a bunch of lying apologizers, a bunch of lying apologizers. They all say they're sorry and they don't mean it. I'm sorry I'm late. No, you're not. You're late every time. So it doesn't mean we don't need to apologize. Don't forget that transparency, vulnerability, and um, humility trait we just talked about. But you have to make and keep commitments. And the reason I bring this up is um, the only way to rebuild trust is to make and keep a commitment. And people are so unwilling to do it. It's, it's just, I mean, this is one thing I've seen with so many today is this lack of commitment. And uh, to really stay committed to something. And they're losing trust because of it. So, you know, it's another, it, it might seem simple or kind of trite, but this, I mean, really, if you're a leader today, are, are you making commitments with your kids you're not keeping? Are you are you making commitments with yourself you're not keeping? Like, I, I joked with this about you one time, uh, with you one time, about that whole weight loss thing. It's like, I, I, I don't know if you remember this, but when I did put the weight loss thing together, I told my team, if I don't lose uh, this, if I don't get to my high school weight by May 1st of that year, I would give them each $2,500 and I shook on it publicly. Wow. $2,500. Now I had way less money then than it, you know, too. And I had, and my wife was like, what are you doing? And I, I knew if I make this commitment, I, I just believed I would keep it. Now the problem that my biggest fear though, wasn't not keeping the, wasn't the $2,500. The biggest fear was if I don't make it, if I don't keep that commitment, I'm going to lose trust in myself. And this is something for leaders to learn. If you make commitments you don't keep, you lose trust in yourself. And that's worst of all, because then you lose in your team and everywhere else. Like, think about this. You've heard the idea, love your neighbors yourself. Think about someone who doesn't love themselves at all. How fun are they to be around? Not very. 
And it's the same with trust. If you don't trust yourself at all, you have a hard time building it on a team, an environment. You don't believe others are trustworthy because you aren't trustworthy yourself. You don't trust yourself. So, you, so it leads to a whole lot of poison. If you make and keep your own commitments, you believe others can. You create environments that can. And so, um, you know, once again, another simple idea in our short time together. And there are a load of actionables under each of those in the eight pillar framework. And I think we put together something special for your team to, you know, 70 videos. If they, if they buy the book, they get about a thousand dollar package. If they put, I think you'll have this in the show notes, but trustedleaderbook.com slash Danny is we put a bunch of extra resources just for your listeners. Compliment you. if they get the book. So you'll see that trustedleaderbook.com slash Danny. But, but that this is one little inspiring idea that I think we really need to think about because, you know, we often kind of judge others on their actions, and, but ourselves on our intent. But I meant to, you know, instead of on the making and actually keeping the commitment. So one other thought, the commitment. Wow, wow that's, that, isn't that so true? We judge others on their actions and judge ourselves on our intent. So David, if I'm hearing you right, your call to action is for people to go and to get the trusted leader there. If, if you know and understand how, how David writes books, I've got the trust edge. Can't wait to have the, you know, the, the paperback hardback of the trusted leader. He, he, he talks about, he, he shares a story. He talks about the concepts, he brings it to life, but then he gives you actionable things that you can do that make the difference. And now for our listeners, uh, go to the link in the podcast description, um, th there's more that he's giving away to our listeners. I, I really appreciate that, David. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much. Appreciate your work and really your friendship on the journey. Yeah, it's, it is so much fun. Trust is the foundation of leadership. David, David shared the number one reason people want to work for an organization is because of trusted leadership. I say this all the time. It's in the podcast B-roll individuals, organizations, and communities rise and fall with leadership. I've seen it time and time again. Trust is that foundational leadership. A lack of trust is your biggest expense. People trust the clear. They distrust the ambiguous. David has just laid out some incredible information in this short time. There's so much more in the book. I also want to encourage you and issue my own call to action. If you're not following David on LinkedIn, you got to follow David on LinkedIn. They have a perfect blend between images, information, videos. This guy's the real deal. This guy is absolutely the real deal. Check him out. You know, talked about being human, the humanness, empathy, appreciation, waking up and being present, and then rebuilding trust. The apology is just the beginning. It's the consistency through through your actions. Uh, every time trust increases, your morale, your output, retention, productivity, innovation, loyalty, revenue, they, they, they all go up. If you enjoyed this podcast today, if you enjoyed listening to this conversation, please consider hitting that subscribe button. Leave us a rating or review. It's all about helping people growing more organically. Um, go to our website. It'll be linked in there. If you want to keep up, we've got an email list we're creating. I promise you, we're not overloading you. It's been out there for a little bit and, and maybe one thing a month. We're not overloading anybody, but it's always valuable when we do it. And remember, always be committed to excellence.